Sarah here. I am so excited to introduce today's episode with SLP turned mystery novelist Ellie Alexander. It's a great one. Ellie shares more about her work transition and then about her own mystery novels, which I love. And as an aside, we were actually really nervous to interview Ellie, so you'll hear that in the very beginning of the episode, so bear with us. We get more comfortable as we go. Uh, we're definitely human, and we can get intimidated when we do interviews, uh, but we are getting more comfortable as time goes on. So since we love reading, and chances are you do too, I wanted to let you know about this episode's freebie our 10 favorite mystery novels. I'm using that term loosely since some are just mystery adjacent. And if you love to read like we do, make sure to sign up for our occasional updates at slphappyhour.com forward slash newsletter to get that downloadable list plus more freebies. And if you're already signed up for the newsletter, not to worry, you will get the freebie delivered to your inbox soon. And if you like this podcast episode, you are going to love my new course. If you're listening to this episode as it airs, my autumn self-care course just launched. And if you're listening later on, I hope to continue to add seasonal guides as the seasons change. The autumn course is focused on slowing down, playing more, and letting go. This course is a step-by-step -step guide for making this happen with goal sheets along the way to help keep you accountable. Visit our website for details, slphappyhour.com forward slash autumn. And now on to the show. You are listening to the SLP Happy Hour podcast. We are a podcast that discusses the reality of being a working SLP with a dash of SLP happy hour thrown in there. Our goal is to help you find more happiness in your life and career. I'm Sarah. And I'm Sari. And we have an exciting interview episode today. We are joined for this episode by mystery novelist Ellie Alexander, aka Kate Dyer-Seeley. Did I say that right? You got it. And Kate is the author of the Bake Shop Mystery Series and the Sloan Krauss Mystery Series. And she is an avid baker a YouTuber, and a former speech-language pathologist. Welcome, Kate. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> <laughs> so to get us started, we always kind of warm up with this lightning round of questions to like settle our nerves and get to know you a little better. Are you up for that? Absolutely. Okay. Bring it on. Okay. So I know that your dad was a literature professor, and uh, you said that he was a fan of Shakespeare. And here in Ashland, Oregon, they have the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. Do you have a favorite Shakespeare play? Oh, gosh, that's such a tough question. I'm going to say <laughs> Taming of the Shrew. Good choice. Yeah. I love Oh, Kate. That's yes. that one. Mm -hmm. Is yeah. that uh, your namesake? Maybe. That's a good one. Um, what is the story behind your pin name, speaking of names? I oh. wish that it was something really, like, awesome and fantastic, but really it was just because I started writing two multiple series for two different publishing houses at the same time. Okay. So I had always thought authors had them because they were really worried about anonymity. No, uh -huh. it's all contract. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. Oh, so, interesting. So did you need two different pen names for two different contracts? Is that how it works? Yeah. So, well, no, um, my first publishing house already owned me as okay. Kate. And okay. so when I started writing the Bake Shop Mysteries in the Sloan Krause series for Macmillan, I had to create another 
persona mm, out in the world. Yeah, in I crazy. had no idea. <laughs> oh. yeah, that is cool. Okay, so could you ever go back to being Kate Dyersely? Can I ever be the real me? Never. <laughs> it's too late. It's too late. It's Only if you went back to that other pub. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Uh-huh. I had no idea. I didn't either. I, I know. No and um, my name, Ellie Alexander, is my mom's middle name and my okay. son's middle name. Oh, I love um, it. So I thought that would be a tribute and I wouldn't forget it. But the very first time I was in Ashland for a book event, I was walking down the street. I had just done a talk at the library and we're walking down the street and I hear somebody behind me yelling, Ellie, Ellie, Ellie. And my husband finally nudges me, and he's like, that's you. Like, turn around. <laughs> Stop ignoring that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's hilarious. Who are your favorite authors? Who inspires your writing style? You know, I have so many favorite authors, it's hard to pick one. But um, I love Willa Cather, Jane Austen, mm-hmm. um, obviously the great dame Agatha Christie, P.D. James, I read anything I can get my hands on now. I read a lot of science fiction. I read a lot of historical fiction, literary. So I think every author, honestly, that I've ever read has inspired me in some small way because we all take those little yeah. snippets of words. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, let's do a few more. Where uh, Where do you go when you need to find inspiration? Outside. Always outside. Every day I walk up in the mountains. And um, yeah, it's just especially being here in the Rogue Valley Every vista is so lush, um, and it's so quiet, and yes. nature, yeah, that's true. Outside. Oh, and you are also a big baker. Yes. What is your favorite thing to bake? Oh, gosh. Um, I like anything that involves a dough. I love the okay. process of dough. I like the process of a yeast rising and kneading a dough. I mm-hmm. think there's so much, like, kinesthetic energy that you get out mm-hmm. in working a dough, so... Anything with dough, like sweet roll, sweet bread. Okay. Bread in general. Bread over like a pastry? Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you could be on any baking reality competition or show, what would you pick? Uh, the Great British Bake Off. Uh, of course. We talk about that show all the time. Okay. I was kind of worried there for a second. I was like, Sarah, you're setting her up for failure because we talk about the Great British Baking Show all the time and we're obsessed. Okay. Can we recreate that here somehow? Like, can we just put the tent out? Mary Berry could fly in. Can we use the British slang and call it a sponge? That's right. And that's really scrummy. Okay. Well, one more. Um, so, uh, this is a quick one. If our listeners are looking to read one of your novels, what would be a good starting novel for them to pick up first? I think personally you should always start with the first book in a series, which is Meet Your Baker. I feel like you should have a pastry knife when you say that title. I know that readers pick them up mid-series or like the last book in, but I personally think there's so much as a writer that I know now that goes into building subplots sure. and the other characters. So start from book one. Okay. Yeah. You Otherwise, you'll miss baker some. For the you'll miss some series. things. Yeah. You, yeah. you yeah. could. It the way they're written. So I have read the series, and I think the way they're written, you could come midstream, like, and you can still understand it, which is awesome. But you, you're right. You would just get so much more out of it if you start from book one and like see the little details that you'll keep seeing through the series. Yep. Yeah. So since we are an SLP podcast, I wanted to share with our listeners why we're interviewing you, which is you started out as an SLP. Mm-hmm. Tell I us did. a little bit about that. I So in high school, actually, I had the opportunity to take sign language as my foreign language. And so I took sign language all through high school and spent some summers doing some loose interpretation on the side um, because I taught swimming lessons too. So I would have some okay. kids who were deaf in my swim classes and... Anyway, so when I, w- I went to the University of Oregon, no ducks, woohoo, yay! <laughs> <laughs> and, 
And um, my freshman year, I wasn't sure what I was going to major in. I thought I was going to major in communication. And I got connected with the deaf community in Eugene. And someone was like, oh, well, what about speech therapy? Like, we have this great communication disorders and sciences mm -hmm. program, which I had never heard of. Yeah. <laughs> and I took one class, and I was just absolutely hooked. So, yes, my degree is in uh, speech therapy. And I spent the whole early part of my career after graduation working in some form or another. My first two years out of school, I worked for a deaf education program in Vancouver, Washington oh, okay. at a middle school level. Okay. Um, and so that was an inclusion program. So I would be in the classroom with the students um, mm -hmm. and my sign language skills rocketed. It's I just bet. like any other foreign yes, language, you know, yeah. and we're, when you're using that with middle school students, they were just, they were amazing. <laughs> and uh, I would run into them later and then they would try to sign to me and I'd be like, slow down. <laughs> Um, so that was my first uh, job experience, and then from that I transferred to Clackamas County ESD, and I worked in an EI program for seven years. Okay. Birth of five, so lots of home visits, lots of developmental groups. I really enjoyed um, the teaming environment um, at that stage of my career, cause, because I was on a team with you know a PT, OT, um, our special ed person. But most of the time with the home visits, it was so isolating. Mm -hmm. And Clackamas County is huge, too. So most of my life was spent in my car with my little, you know, box of tools and goodies sure. in the back. Yeah. And a blanket. I would always mm -hmm. have a blanket because you'd go into a home, spread it out on the floor. <laughs> yeah. safe place to sit. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you get a lot of comments mm -hmm. from people who work in early intervention, EEI or ECSE, who uh, say that they listen to the podcast when they're driving. Oh, that's perfect, actually. That is great. Yeah, so there will be lots of people listening who can relate to that. Uh, will you talk a little bit about your experiences as an SLP, mm -hmm. maybe some of the ups and downs, mm -hmm. what that was like for you? Yeah, well, I think I was so wide-eyed and brand new, you know, especially early on. I was fresh out of college. I was in my, like, mid-20s. And I would work for hours at home cutting out these, like, Arctic cards, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to get that Arctic done. Um, and I would, like, color them with pencils and everything. I spent, you know, hours, hours and hours doing that. And then, you know, quickly reality would sink in. I would go into these homes where Arctic is low on their priority mm -hmm. list. You know, mm -hmm. it was so much more about, like, language development or, mm -hmm. you know, finding access to services for our parents sure. because, you know, you're talking about a lot of family systems that were very, very um, in need of, desperate need of services, you know, just like basic clothing um, mm -hmm. and food. And so I think um, that quickly just really shifted my perspective about what my role is. Not that, you know, I tried to veer away from our speech goals and, you know, whatever we were working on for the IEP, but that, you know, really a lot of my time then was being a therapist almost mm -hmm. to the entire family system. Mm -hmm. yep. And I don't feel like initially fresh out of college, I was trained for that piece of it so much. You yeah. know, I thought I was going to go in with these little guys and mm -hmm. we're going to be like, okay. You know? yeah. <laughs> and they'll repeat what's on the card. Right. Yeah. Also doesn't work. <laughs> like no one ever told me that that doesn't work. Right. Is that going to uh, work? Yeah. Right. That was my experience too. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that counseling aspect is a really big mm -hmm. part of our profession. And I also started, you know, in my kind of, early-ish, mid-twenties, and I think it's important to just have that kind of what I'm getting from what you're saying is, and also thinking about my own experience, is just that, like, you want to do a good job. Mm -hmm. So it's about preparation, 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 and my experience was, you know, working evenings, and then 
uh, getting really burned out. And that happened until I got married. Because at that point, I had a husband at home, right? Who yeah. was like, um, hi. Are you coming home? <laughs> <Hello>? yeah. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, I think a lot of people who listen can relate to that because we love our clients so much. We want to do what's best mm-hmm. for them. Um, we have big hearts. We care. Um, but that can sort of bleed into the evening time. And I think that that's really, really normal for especially early career professionals. Yep. So Same. coming back to the SLP part, um, I'm just thinking about the experience of, so you're working in, you know, birth to five uh-huh. and you're realizing a lot of what you're doing is counseling, referring mm-hmm. to resources, sort of social work. Is that what you expected? Is that what you were taught? Um, was that a surprise? Did you have to kind of build the plane in the air while it was going? What was that like? <laughs> yes. That one's a great that analogy. One, that's yeah. a, that's okay. a really good yeah. analogy. Yeah, and I think for me, really learning how to um, establish boundaries early on because, um, you know, my job was so fluid. And during any week, I had a caseload of 55 kids. Um, and so, like, you know, trying to manage that and then manage figuring out how to care for the parents in that process too sure. mm-hmm. and yeah. most importantly then how to establish my own boundaries and care for myself I don't yeah. think um I was prepared for how mm-hmm. much work that was going to be initially and same thing I was young I wasn't married yet so I was putting in all those hours for me it wasn't until I got married too that I was like oh wait I should go home at seven at night right. like what yeah yeah right If you've got a caseload that's big enough that you tend to forget who has which goal, you aren't alone. We are right there with you. Do you ever wish you could schedule your students in and manage their goals at the same time? Swivel is a web-based app you can access from any device that will help you schedule your students in, and Swivel will rotate through all your students' goals to tell you each day what each student in every group needs to work on. No more forgotten goals. No more scrambling to collect data because you only worked on a goal twice. Goal management is too important to be stressful, so let Swivel help you conquer the goal management monster. For more information, visit swivelscheduler.com. If you're a private practice owner like me, you know how important it is to have practice management software that helps you schedule, bill, and saves you time. Fusion Web Clinic is an all-in-one practice management software designed specifically for pediatric speech therapists, physical therapists, and occupational therapists who need to save time and streamline their practice. With unlimited customer support, free onboarding, and an ever-growing set of features, thousands of therapists across the country use Fusion every day. We've got a special URL for a free demo and a $50 credit at fusionwebclinic.com slash slphappyhour. So let's go ahead and transition into your transition into becoming a full-time novelist. Yeah. What, when did you know it was the right time to make the change in your career? Or did you know it was the right time? And how did, maybe walk us through how did that start? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think my career has evolved in such a non-linear way, which is how things work in life. Um, But, you know, I had a plan initially that I'm going to do this. I really thought... Um, speech therapy would be my career for, you know, 30, 40 years. But um, in my early 30s, I was pregnant with my first and only son, and my mom developed young onset Alzheimer's. Okay. She was in her early 50s. 
And I was familiar with all the symptoms because of my degree. Mm -hmm. um, and so, in fact, I remember, I remember one of my classes, Alzheimer's was just really like starting to get some national attention. And one of my professors at UFO was doing like a big research piece on it. So it was still kind of fresh enough in my head. Um, and so I left to care for her and have my son. Um, and I thought I would probably go back, um, but after she died, I used journaling as such a tool for grief in that process, yeah. and that really cracked me open. I had always been a prolific reader. I had always said that I wanted to write, but I thought, you know, maybe that would be something on the side. I had heard writers, I would go, you know, hear any writer talk over the years, and I would always hear writers talk about the story that they had in them that they, like, had to tell. I minored in creative writing in college, so I have okay. all of these, like, horrible first drafts that will go nowhere. I mean, like, one of them is titled One Dead Toe. Like, come on. <laughs> that is great. I'm curious. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, there was no plot. I had no yeah. idea what I was doing. Um, so I have lots of those shoved away in drawers. So I, like, would dabble over the years as an outlet, I think, you know. Um, but it wasn't until my mom died and going through that process of becoming a mom and losing a mom and, you know, she's losing all the same skills developmentally that my son is gaining. It was wow. just such a strange juxtaposition to be in at that time. Um, and so I wrote a memoir first about that process. Okay. And that, I finally understood these writers talking about like, oh, there's this book in me that I have to write. And I thought, okay, well, that kind of cracked me open. I wrote a book. I'm good. I've done it. Um, and then for a few years, I was staying home with my son, and I, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. I was dabbling with writing on the side again, and in the back of my head, I kept hearing like this voice that was like, you should write a mystery. You should write a mystery, because I had always read mysteries, mm -hmm. especially cozies, as an mm -hmm. escape. Um, and I was like, I can't write a mystery. Like, I don't know how to write a mystery. And then it just all sort of evolved from there. <laughs> wow. So, I know. So once you were at home with your son, mm -hmm. you just became a writer. Well, I mean, maybe not overnight. Right, right. It, yeah. yeah. It takes yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I took, um, so because I'm such a, like, hands-on doer, I took every writing workshop I could take. Mm -hmm. um, I did um, a mentorship with Jessica Morell, who's a, a, a writing teacher up in Portland. I attended the Portland um, and Willamette Writers and Pacific Northwest Writers Conferences. So I just, like, I kind of was a sponge for four or five years. I would read everything I could get my hands on on how to write. But yes, um, I do not have a formal degree in writing, per se. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I'm okay. so fascinated by this kind of changes mm -hmm. and transitions. So, did you know where you would end up, or did you just take the next right step? I definitely just took the next right step. Yes, mm -hmm. 100%. But honestly, I think all of my speech background... Mm -hmm plays into my writing. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, when you're studying normal speech and language development, you're studying so much about syntax and, you know, all of those, like, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lots of syntax. Lots of syntax. I mean, like mm -hmm. this. So that just structurally, obviously, I think helped inform my writing. Mm -hmm. And then um, back when I was practicing, we would do soap notes at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And so when I started writing my first mystery, I would go to like a coffee shop and I would write out soap notes, but I would just watch people. Um, and mm -hmm. so I would use that same strategy of like, okay, what are they doing? Like, and what's their motive? And so that mm -hmm. kind of all like came in. I also think in the world of speech, you have to be a really good listener. Yes. Um, and I don't think you could be a good writer without being a good listener. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Or observer, listener, observer, all mm-hmm. that like receptive language, like taking information in, right? Yes, 100%. And probably the research involved in being a speech therapist plays a little bit into what you do now too. What does it look like for you now? Yes, now it's a little, um, you know, it's a little more research on like baking and pastries. <laughs> and that that's sounds amazing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but it is in fact the very first time I, I did that where I broke out my, my old soap note journal. I was sitting at a coffee shop here in Ashland because I knew I was going to write this series and I knew I was going to set it here in Ashland. <laughs> But that's all I knew. And so I was at a local coffee shop and I was just really watching like, okay, what are the baristas doing behind the counter? How are people interacting? What does the space look like? What does it smell like? All those sort of things. And um, this woman came in, she stormed in actually, and she was dressed, you know, like kind of dripping with jewels and she looked Mm -hmm. totally out of place in Ashland. And she cut the line and she was horrible to the barista there were like five people in line she cut up ahead she already had a coffee in her hand and she went up and I mean like it's so vivid I I still have those notes and she was just going off on this barista saying like my coffee was supposed to be 185 degrees clearly it's only 160 this is the worst thing anyway I'm sitting in the corner and I think you could die in a book (laughs) <laughs> I could, I could, I could, yeah, I know. you could be a villain, like that, yeah, yes, right, yeah. yeah, so she became the villain in Meet Your Baker, Oh, Nancy that's Hudson. fantastic, yeah. that's so great, and so you never know who's watching, be careful, I know, <laughs> you might get killed off in a novel, so tell us a little bit about what you write, the genre you write, and how you got interested in it, for maybe people who don't know very much yet about the mystery world, or are just getting into it, sure, so technically, a cozy mystery tends to take place in a small town or village. Think like Agatha Christie, right? Mm-hmm. You know, set in the English countryside. The sleuth is not a detective. They are amateurs of some kind. You know, maybe it's a nosy neighbor or a baker, whoever. And uh, the focus of this particular genre is on the puzzle. So not a lot of gratuitous violence, not a lot of blood and guts. The murder tends to take place off stage, so to speak. So there's always a body, um, but they're very tame. I would say they're PG easily. Um, And so then all of the focus is on piecing together whodunit. Mm -hmm. So hopefully the reader, all of the clues are embedded. There are some red herrings that might send you down the wrong direction, but the reader has the same opportunity to solve the puzzle as the sleuth. Mm -hmm. And hopefully the reader is guessing all along the way then too. Okay. Yep. That's what I love about mystery no- a good mystery novels is the I- interaction yeah. involved with right. them and, and the guesswork and trying to figure it out along with the the heroine and the story. Yep. I and they're it. cerebral to some extent. Yeah. Because you know you are having to like figure out like ooh why what would that motive be? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And will you talk a little bit about the characters in the novel because because I feel like this small town setting gives a lot of opportunity for some really interesting characters right yeah so tell me a little bit about maybe we'll talk about the bake shop series if that's okay because sure. it's set here in town yeah um tell us about some of the characters how you come up with the characters and how how important the characters are I guess to the mystery because that seems like a huge part of these novels absolutely yeah so I think these novels I would say and and in general with the genre, they are very character driven. So the characters are driving the plot Mm -hmm. forward most of the time. When I set out to write this series, it was initially pitched as the Gilmore Girls with murder. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I was trying to think, I had already been writing a series that was set up in Portland and I was thinking like, 
oh, where do I want to set it? I want it to feel very villagey. And I had grown up coming to Ashland because my dad taught Shakespeare. Okay. Um, so when I was very young, my mom was reading these mysteries. She was like, you know, devouring Agatha Christie and P.D. James and, you know, like all of the British mysteries. And then my dad would have us quoting sonnets and soliloquies <laughs> and I was not such a fan of the sonnets yeah. when I was young um, and now I really appreciate that um, but so Ashland just seemed like the ideal setting and when I first started writing I didn't know who my heroine was going to be I knew that she was going to have left Ashland for a while and that sort of like her bigger um, growth arc was about the idea of coming home because I was just really interested in that myself. Like, if you leave and come back and you've changed, can home ever be the same? Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, that's kind of the plot point that runs so far through, I've just in working on book 12 of this series, mm -hmm. um, that idea of home and like how we define home. So I was here in Ashland and I had like 12 different names for her. I had not mm -hmm. found her as a character. And then I was like, oh, well, Duh, Juliet. And then once I had the name, like, she just sort of could come to life a little bit more. So Juliet is a pastry chef who has left Ashland. She grew up in Ashland. She's been out at sea working as an artisan pastry chef and now has found her way back home. And so she's home to help run her family bake shop with her mom, Helen. And so there's a lot of mother-daughter relationship stuff that goes on. My mom was a counselor. Mm -hmm. And so Helen is definitely inspired by my mom. Okay. My mom used to always, like, bake cookies for my friends and I. So my friends would come over and she would, like, ply them with, like, <laughs> beautiful, you know, Chewy chocolate brownies. Oh, you were probably really popular. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how she would get them talking. You know? Yeah. Um, and she was such a great active listener, too. And so she would like have that way of pulling information out of people. So that's Helen in the series. And then um, Jules, of course, had to have a former love interest because that's mm -hmm. kind of how this genre works. So um, her high school boyfriend, Thomas, is the deputy here in town. And that's kind of her into the murder, too. Okay. If you're reading this genre, you have to suspend some belief because, you know, mm -hmm. it's unlikely that a pastry chef is going to be invited onto a crime scene. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, as the series has gone on, the entire cast has then continued to develop, which I really love. Jules has left her husband, Carlos, who is a Latin delicious chef mm -hmm. um, on the ship, and we don't know why in book one, and um, he's kind of a recurring character too. And then my favorite is the professor, mm -hmm. who is Ashland's resident detective, and he is definitely modeled after my dad. He'll just like, you know, <laughs> quote Shakespeare on a whim. My dad was just in town, and he was <laughs> quoting Shakespeare all week, so yeah. <laughs> I love that. And if, um, if someone is listening and they're interested in getting into this genre or any of your books, what can they expect? I would say, I mean, from my perspective, so I have read quite a few of them, but I would say I really like, first of all, British TV shows. Love, love, love. Um, mystery novels. Love, love, love. And I also like hate things with like gratuitous violence or that are really upsetting because I feel like life is hard enough right? Life is already dark enough. Let's like bring on the lightness. So all of those things, when I heard that there was this series set in Ashland, that's why I started reading them. So if you're listening and that's you too, I think you should totally check it out. Um, but what do you think about what to expect or how to get into this genre or who it's for or... Yeah, that's um, that's always a good question. I think that, yeah, you've summed it up perfectly. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, I think that I, my 
mission, my mantra when I set out to write mysteries after I listened to that voice that was like tapping in the back of my head was that I was going to spread light and joy into the world. Um, I know. So that like almost makes that. me a little teary too. Um, I love that. In the form of murder. But the murder like... <laughs> through the power of murder. <laughs> I will spread light and joy. But the they all have such sweet names. <laughs> I know, they do. Fudge and jury. <laughs> but I really think, um, you know, in part because of how hard this role is right when you're working as an SLP um, and you're working with you know high needs populations and special populations as well as for me like all those years caring for my mom through her Alzheimer's and everything like sometimes we just need a read to escape yes Um, and so that is kind of the tone and the vein in which they're written Um, you know you're not going to read War and Peace they probably aren't going to change your life Um, they're just meant to be a fun read I will say you should not read them hungry recipes and Jules is a baker so there's a lot of food writing in there so uh-huh. yeah and I've made a few of the recipes I know for sure and if people want to follow you on Instagram we'll link up to everything I've made the cookies that have like coconut white chocolate and lime oh I think. yeah those were good mm-hmm. very nice <laughs> so well let's bring it back to um, uh, speech pathology a yeah. little bit if there's an SLP thinking mm-hmm. of doing a major career change yeah um, do you have any advice that you would share with them if they're thinking about becoming a mystery novelist or yeah, doing I a mean, similar path? I just think like for me, um, it's always about sort of listening to that inner voice. Mm-hmm. Like I think any time that I haven't listened to my intuition and my inner voice, that's where I've been like led astray. <laughs> but if you just go quiet and inward and like really give yourself some space to think about that and that also transitions don't happen quickly yes, the time. Yes. you know it's a long process so mm-hmm. in the stretch of it when I first decided I was gonna even write a memoir it was another 10 years until my first book was published wow. so you know it wasn't just like oh I decided oh I'm gonna write a book <laughs> which is like if we talk about it in this like let's say this episode is a half an hour it sounds like it happens fast right exactly but that was not your experience no definitely not and for me actually my experience of getting published of actually like getting an agent and getting a book contract was lightning fast um, Mm -hmm. compared to some of my friends too so it could take even longer you know I've had some friends who've been writing for 20 years and written some amazing things and like sometimes it's also just a matter of like the right opportunity at the right time element of luck exactly yeah yes Uh okay Mm -hmm. Um, did you let your license go? Do I you did. you still have your yes. license? No. Okay, tell us about that decision. Yeah, well, you know, at that point in time, um, I was so in the middle of, I was just a full-time caregiver on both ends of the spectrum. Yeah. I had a two-year-old at home and I was caring for my mom. My dad was still teaching, so because I was home with my son. Um, so I just, at that point in time, knew that I did not have the emotional capacity to be able to go back and do that level of work. Yes. It was like, you know, all of those early boundary issues I had in my 20s were just like, boom, okay, well, now you're going to have to have very clear, focused boundaries. So at the time, it just, um, I don't even think it was a question just based on where I was at personally. Yeah. Had I left and, you know, left for some maternity leave time, I could imagine that maybe, like, I would have made a different choice. Yeah, it seems yeah. very natural. Uh-huh. Like there was a series of events that kind of naturally fell into place for you and and opened up this this path that Right. And sometimes that. it's that idea of, you know, it's like the most horrific and grief-worthy things in our life that then open us up to other experiences Absolutely. that we couldn't have even imagined. Like I never would have wished my mom to have that illness and I've often thought now like if she hadn't, would I be writing today? 
I don't know. So it's like that mm-hmm. gift of um, grief too. So, yeah. 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 Well, we always ask our guests to share a self-care challenge as well. Do you have a self-care challenge that you'd like to share with our listeners? I think you should journal. I have journaled since I was 16, and I think looking back through my journals, you just have this lens of distance. Um, And for me, and obviously, so this is, I'm a writer, so maybe I'm biased about the journaling, but there's something so... um, cleansing about just like physically kinesthetically like writing out the words and when you're journaling you don't have to like have syntax and structure and (laughs) spelling like none of that matters just (laughs) like write from the heart and write every day um and ask your journal questions you know like going back to your question about career Mm -hmm. like what should my next career be? What should I be doing? And just like let those answers evolve because they're they're all there in yeah. us. I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. that. It's it's listening to your own intuition mm-hmm. um, and reflecting. And as far as when you're journaling, are you writing anything? Are you writing? Are you problem solving things? Are you just trying to get words on the page? I think it's whatever works for you. And I think mm-hmm. that I, that's totally. advice that I give to other writers who are working on you know like a traditional writing project too. But I don't think journaling should have any rules. For me, I'm just writing like whatever is in the moment. Um, I find like, for example, this summer, I'm not writing at all in terms of professionally. I have the summer off um, because I'm home with my son and we're having fun. Um, And I feel my anxiety like spiking a little bit. So I'm like, oh, you know what? And I don't journal as much now because writing fiction kind of has that same outlet for me okay and so I've been like having to remind myself like oh no 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 Mm -hmm. (laughs) you you have to journal still too like right this is good for you yeah 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 absolutely so I think the practice um is just whatever you make of it you for the first day you could just write like top of your mind whatever is coming out and there doesn't need to be a word count limit or a time limit like (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) no rules for those of us who like structure it's like no just yeah Right. And if you, I, I've also heard from people who are like, okay, it's, it's hard to get started. So anything, even just like writing down a few gratitude things, or sometimes I'll even doodle, like this is the month in the year mm-hmm. and I'm just going to doodle a page of like what happened this month. I love looking back at those. So a journal can be like quotes from books you've read, what you're looking forward to, anything you want. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's so fun to look back for me at my journals from when I'm 16, when I'm 20, when I'm 30, now in my 40s, and see how much things change and how they don't change, too. Yeah. You know? I have a journal from my teenage years, and it it says, my favorite food is macaroni and cheese. I could never marry someone who doesn't love macaroni and cheese. (laughs) And did you? I I did. I married someone who does not love macaroni and cheese. So you surprise yourself. (laughs) Um, So Ellie, this was such a great interview. Thank you for taking the time to chat with us. If people want to find you online, um, you are very active on social media, so you're easy to find. Um, How can they find you? Yeah, you can find me. I'm everywhere. You are. (laughs) Little did I know that when you write a book, you can't just like be a hermit either. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook as Ellie Alexander Author. And that's our show for today. Kate or Ellie. Uh, We can't thank you enough for coming on and joining us. Um, This was such a fun, extra special interview, I feel like, and we really appreciate you coming out today. And and it's kind of fun, too, that you're local and and we were able to to meet here face-to-face. If you liked this episode, please review us wherever you listen to podcasts. 
And of course, since this is really, it really is a very special episode, as Sari was saying, if you know someone who is interested in reading mystery novels or who is contemplating a career change, please share this episode with them. Mm -hmm. If you want to connect with us, you can visit our website, slphappyhour.com, or find us on social media as SLP Happy Hour. We hope you enjoyed the show and that this was a little slice of an SLP happy hour for you. We've enjoyed recording it. Thank you for listening. Until next time.